Hi, Randy Kay here. I have a rather personal message for you, and it has to do with a vision that I have seen not once, not even twice, but a number of times. It has to do with what I believe to be the end of times. Now, I know that many of you have been watching our afterlife interviews with people who have died and gone to heaven and in some cases even hell. What I'm going to be talking about now is a vision that uh, I have been receiving over a course of some time. I wanted to validate whether indeed this vision was of God or not. And one of those ways was to look back uh, within the Bible to see if there was any conflicting scripture that would uh, speak against what I saw. Also, I prayed. And the very fact that I had seen this same vision a number of times. You know, after a while, uh, some of you may identify with the phenomena that you just kind of know when you know. You kind of have this spiritual radar. Uh, one of my uh, benefits, I guess, or outtakes of heaven was that I was able to, to discern things more clearly, to hear things in a way that I had not previous to my encounter in heaven with Jesus, probably by virtue of the fact that uh, I was unencumbered with my mind. My brain was dead at this point. My heart had stopped. So I was spirit, as each of us who have died and encountered Jesus in heaven. You know, when you're spirit, minus the brain, minus the body, you're hearing and seeing the fullness of God and what he has to show. Now, some of you have loved ones who are in heaven at this very moment, and they're having the same unencumbered fellowship with God because they're freed of their mind, they're freed of their body. There are two, two, uh, two let's say, parts of us that go to heaven. One is the spirit. The spirit is born anew through Christ and it resides in heaven. But there's also the soul. The soul stays with us in heaven. The soul stays with a person after they die, regardless of whether they are believers in Yeshua as the Messiah or whether they are not believers. The soul, though, is beholden to the spirit of ourselves. In heaven, And that's why we see things more clearly in heaven than we do in this world. That's why we have an intimate and unfettered relationship with God in heaven that oftentimes is clouded by the things of this world. Okay, having prefaced all of that, I'm going to get to the vision that I have seen, which I believe speaks to what you and I have to look forward to, either from heaven or on earth. I'm going to tell you the first part of the vision. I had seen a series of rooms that I had entered into. I had looked at a door, and that door was closed. And I didn't know whether I could open it or not, 
So uh, the Lord said to me that I should reach out my hand and that I would open the door through reaching out my hand. Now my hand, when I reached it out, didn't just push the door, it penetrated the door as the door opened. And I proceeded forth through the door into a room. That room that I beheld with my eyes was empty. That room was empty. There was an emptiness to that room that I didn't understand. And so the Lord had me return to return to outside the door. And I beheld another door to my left. The same phenomena occurred where I walked through that door and I saw people celebrating. I saw people praising God. I saw people being healed of illnesses. I saw a celebration going on the likes of which I've never witnessed in anything on this earth. I saw people bowing down, people being prostrate before God. I saw people who were crying out in worship and joy, joy that I had not experienced to the fullness of what I had seen in this vision. But, you know, in this room, I was not in heaven. I was on earth. I was in this room seeing the people who were being healed, who were worshiping, who were being saved by Jesus through the blood of Yeshua. I was seeing miracles happening in this room. Now, I didn't fully understand what this meant, but the Lord said that I was to leave that room and I was to re-enter into the space, the room, which held nothing. So I went from this room of celebration, of healings, of miracles, into a room of essentially nothingness. And I was in this room, and I felt a, a sense of peace. I didn't feel that it was necessarily a bad thing when I was in this room, but I looked on the opposite side of this room, and I saw another door. And so I began walking toward that door. And the Lord prompted me to do the very same thing, which was to hold out my hand and to walk through that door. What I saw was horrific, to say the least. I don't want to describe the details of what I saw. I was at peace in the first room where there was celebration, in the second room where there was utter darkness but still a sense of peace, but in the third room there was awful suffering. I saw people who were being ravaged. I saw, having been in the medical field, I saw things that were happening to people, 
both in their skin and to their bodies that I had not seen apart from uh, some of the illnesses that I had that I had witnessed in the emergency room and in surgery when I was uh, in a case. I saw these things that were happening where people were crying out. They were in tremendous fear. And they weren't crying out to God. They were crying out in a futile manner. In other words, they had no hope. And there was a series of things that I saw that were poured out in this room, apparently to them, which are causing them to suffer in different ways, from illnesses, from scourges, from plagues of sorts, which uh, we see today in viruses and, and things that are in the world. I saw the ravages of a war, uh, torn buildings, smoke, and I saw people that were in utter, utter despair. And I looked for a way to escape this room. Some of you maybe have gone through what's called an escape room and where you just try to find an out. And I wanted to find an out. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to see it. I cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, just take me out of this place. And he directed me to another door. He directed me to another door on the other side of this gargantuan room. So I walked and I knew by now to, to reach out my hand. My body followed through this door. And what I saw was the complete polar opposite of what I beheld in the prior room. I saw paradise. I saw streams flowing. I saw flowers blooming perpetually. I saw trees that were grown and, and bursting forth with all kinds of flowers of various colors, purples and oranges and reds. I saw people who were dining at a table, I saw them dining at this table and they were having a joyous time. I saw angels about, similar to what I had beheld in heaven. And I saw a temple, I saw a temple in the, in the distance and I walked toward this temple and I saw, I saw some carvings in that temple wall and they were of palm trees and they were of kind of angelic looking uh, figures and I felt a wonderful wonderful peace and comfort it was truly paradise it was a paradise similar to what I had experienced in heaven when Jesus took me to this paradise of fields, of, of streams of water flowing forth, but one thing distinguished this view apart from any other, and that was the feast that was going on. And at the head of the table,
was Yeshua. The feast was set with all kinds of foods and the settings of all delicacies. And the table I saw seemed to run on forever and there were multiple tables around. And I was seeing this all with my eyes, just praising the Lord for the paradise in which I found myself. But then I looked at a door, a door on the far side, and I approached that door and I reached my hand. I didn't want to, I wanted to stay in this paradise. But I knew the Lord was telling me to, to go through that door and into that next door. And I was back in this world. I was back in this world with all the good and the bad and the busyness and the times of respite. I was back in this world. And in contrast to that room through which I walked, which had this feast and this peace and this lusciousness of flowers and buildings even and, and the temple, and the temple where angels were walking all about. I was back. I was back in this world. And then the vision ended. Yes, I did pray uh, for the Lord to reveal to me what I had seen. Now, I had been to heaven. I was in my spirit body. It was not like a vision where I was seeing these things, albeit seeing them as real, but it wasn't the same. I was more dreamlike. Being in heaven, beloved of the Lord, uh, is more real than living in this world. And when I was there, all of these things that I beheld, they were truer and they were more poignant and they were more vibrant in every sense and senses multiplied, multiplied so that heaven was more real than this world. But the vision I saw was more of like a faded appearance. No, I wasn't back in heaven. I was in a place that uh, the Lord had given me as a vision. Now, the Bible talks about, you know, your, your uh, young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Uh, I don't consider myself young, but this was indeed a vision. I don't know if it was a dream so much because it happened uh, during uh, the daytime. I wasn't asleep. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. I, I said, Lord, please, please explain this. Because I knew that I couldn't share the vision with you until the Lord had clarified it with me. Because it would just be confusing. It would just be throwing out something. And Lord, the Lord never gives us something to confuse us. Confusion is of the enemy. Confusion is not of God. So when God gives a vision, he gives it for a purpose to understand what the vision is about. In the time of Joseph, when the, the uh, king was having a vision, 
he called upon Joseph to interpret his visions, and Joseph had interpretations for those visions. You see, visions are not just, well, visions can be for ourselves, but it's important to note that visions are to be understood. They're not to create some degree of ambiguity. Just as the book of Revelation, as John had his visions that he was seeing in a cave on the island of Patmos, they were to be understood, not just to cause a degree of confusion, not at all. So what did this mean? What did the vision of the rooms and the doors through which I went, the four rooms in which I went in sequence? And here's what the Lord told me after much prayer. He said that the first door, when I entered in and I saw the celebration, the worship, the healings and the miracles, that was the outpouring of God's glory. When God's glory comes upon the earth, it will be exponentially greater than anything this world has ever seen. There will be healings. There will be people uh, who are healed of cancer when they will see their limbs returned. There will be people who will rise from the dead. There will be all kinds of miracles and healings and rejoicing, and there will be thousands, hundreds of thousands saved. That is, they will come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, Yeshua. There will be those in Israel, even as is happening now, who will come to know the true Messiah. The true Messiah. Yes, God's eyes are on Israel. If you've listened to our program, you know that God loves his chosen people. He loves you if you're not Jewish as well. You see, God loves even if it's not returned by those who don't love him. But this room, as God explained it to me, the Holy Spirit explained that it was a time when the glory of God will be manifested so that revival will be pervasive throughout the world. And there is not one place that will not see that revival. Oh, beloved of the Lord, it will be glorious. So that was the first room. Now I walked into a room then that was empty. And then I walked back to through the room where there was a revival. What was the empty room about? I believe the Lord explained it to me that this was the a rapture, that this was the time when God's excuse me, children will be taken up when He will claim those who are His. Uh, the reason for that is that he wants to spare his children from what would come. The other reason that it was an empty room is because at that point thereafter, after he claims his beloved into heaven without dying, as with Enoch when 
he went to heaven without dying. After that happens, beloved the Lord, God will have removed his presence from this world. And that was the emptiness. The emptiness is the removal of God's presence and those in whom the Holy Spirit resides as God's temple, that is, the believers in Yeshua as Messiah. That, beloved, leaves an emptiness. That was the empty room. The emptiness, because this world has never, ever, in all of history, experienced God's removal of his presence. We have enjoyed, to varying extents, God's presence. God's presence is in this world right now. That's why you can call out (laughs) the name of the Lord, and he will respond. That's why you can have those respites. That's why you can have those times of peace and comfort, because you know that God is over all, and that he's here. And that's why we know that there's kind of a, a little bit of a difference, maybe, Hopefully, for those who are know Jesus is our Lord and Savior, it certainly changed me from being a different person to one who's more loving, not as loving as I want to be, but more loving than I used to be because of the power of the Holy Spirit within me. Doesn't mean that all Christians are good. Obviously, they're not. But that doesn't mean that all Christians who say they're Christians are are Christian. No, no, beloved of the Lord, there is a, a presence of God which has been in this world throughout all of history, but it will not be here before what is what is termed the tribulation period. Many have struggled with uh, God's judgments. And that next room, the fourth room, I uh, was seeing those as the Lord revealed it to me. Something I will never want to see again. Something I pray that no one on this earth ever, ever sees. But... Without God's presence, without his protection, what is there? We know there are powers, principalities, spirits of darkness. The Bible tells us so. We know that there's spiritual warfare going on in this world. But God is still with us. Even if we don't believe, God is still on our side in this world, present. We just need to acknowledge him. But when that presence is removed, then something I saw in heaven will happen. God's shield of protection will be removed. John saw it as as seven bowls, one of which is plagues, another war, Another is the desolation of the sea when all sea life will be will be dead. So John saw these as bowls. I believe, from my experience, that I saw them as shields. Uh, 
And when God removes his shield of protection, then, then the enemy, the powers, principalities, spirits of darkness will have their way. Will have their way. In Israel today, if the United States of America weren't their greatest ally, and vice versa, by the way, there's a good likelihood that Israel would not uh, be existent today. Why? Because the United States has been the greatest power in history, and the United States has sided with Israel. And I know personally from at least one president, uh, and many who have actually said that if anyone were to come against Israel, that they would realize the full force and might of the United States of America. It's hopefully and uh, trustfully uh, the same today. So that that same phenomenon is happening today in the spirit realm. That is God's presence is here. He's shielding us from the enemy. He's shielding us from destruction, from ravaging, from warfare that would decimate us. But the empty room, beloved, the empty room was truly empty from God's presence, but what followed was the pouring out, not of God's will, not of God's will, but because the powers, principalities, spirits of darkness, those who are not of God, those who are opposed to God, all the demons and fallen angels that, that would rather kill you, would rather destroy you, if not for the giant, God standing between you and him. Same phenomena. God's protection is keeping destruction from happening upon us. And the destruction, beloved, was when the demons had at it. That is, they had their way in the world. What about that final room that I entered? The feast, the paradise, the temple and the buildings and all kinds of joy that was happening about similar but as what I experienced in heaven. What about that? I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and and the Lord gave me a, an explanation as to that. He said this. He said, that is the new earth. That is the new earth. Now, I've given messages previously and I've cited scripture and verse. If you haven't listened to those or watched them, I encourage you to go back and watch those. That there will be indeed a, a new earth, as the Bible talks about, a millennium on the new earth. But it happens after the destruction of this earth. The new earth will indeed be paradise, as was uh, in the Garden of Eden, Eden before before Adam and Eve decided to rebel against God and have their own way, and we've been doing it ever since. Well, God found a 
new way to create a new earth. And that's what I saw in that final room. The new earth and the feast, the wedding feast that is talked about in the Bible. The wedding feast when the, the groom being Jesus holds a feast for the bride being us, the body of Christ. Oh, that will be a glorious day, beloved, when that wedding feast happens. The wedding feast that will be after the end of the times as we know it and the new times when, like in the case of Jacob's ladder, which was a vision that Jacob had of that ladder coming down from heaven to earth, there was this connection between the two. There was a, uh, a direct link between heaven and earth as, as were experienced by when God first created this world in which we live as paradise, we reestablished. And that was the final room and the feast. The feast, by the way, will last a period of one year. It won't be a, like suppers we have on this earth where we... Uh, have uh, maybe Thanksgiving Day dinner, and if you're in America, uh, or a feast of some kind, and uh, let's say the Passover feast, if you celebrate the Passover, it won't be that one f one feast and then done. No, this will last into a year, a year, a feast of celebration for a year. Beloved, that is what you have to look forward to if you will now pray this. Or if you prayed something like it, and that is Jesus. I know you hung on the cross, not because uh, Pontius Pilate uh, rendered a judgment against you, but because you, you decided that you would go to the cross for the salvation of those who would receive you as Lord and Savior. He was the Messiah. He was the Messiah, and many of the Jews at that time, and all of the Jews, with the exception of one, uh, were, I'm sorry, all of the apostles, with the exception of one, were Jewish. By the way, Jesus is Jewish. He carries his Jewishness with him today. He looked very much Middle Eastern or Jewish, as I saw him in heaven. Beloved of the Lord, if you receive him as your Lord and Savior, if you're watching this in Israel, I want you to know that he shines his face upon you regardless, but he is your Messiah. He came as Isaiah prophesied. The prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament, he came, he came as a humble human being. And as Isaiah prophesied, he was scourged, beaten, that he might go to the cross 
he might go to the cross and be resurrected on the third day after he was placed in the tomb so that he would now have taken upon himself all of the sins of the world so that whoever confesses Jesus as their Lord and Savior will be saved. And you will see if you pray that, if you have ever prayed that, if you give your life over to Jesus as Messiah, as Savior, and as Lord, Yeshua, then you'll see that fifth room, that fourth room, excuse me. You'll see that celebration. You'll see that feast. You'll see that new earth. And you will see heaven. And you will see heaven. Beloved of the Lord, that's a win-win situation. Why? Why would anyone reject Jesus knowing this? Well, I did. I was an agnostic for much of my life. I didn't believe in God, let alone Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. But I did this one thing, and if you're still struggling, do this one thing, and that is pray. Pray something like this, as I did, perhaps, and God, if you're out there, if you're the real deal, I need to know you as more than maybe even pages in a book. That's how I prayed. And I cried out through the window of my apartment at the time. And lo and behold, he did. He'll do the same for you. He will reveal himself to you. Ask for the truth. As John 8.32 says, and you shall know the truth. This is Jesus speaking. And the truth will set you free. Don't just pass this off. Just disbelieving it as superstition or look at Christians who don't, don't live the life that they uh, uh, espouse. Don't do that. Seek the truth from God directly and he'll reveal himself to you. It's important, beloved of the Lord, that each of us be in that final room. That each of us, beloved. And those who pass from this earth, and there will be Many, by the, during the time that I have spoken, there have been thousands who have died already. Some of, them, some of them are in heaven as we speak. Don't take for granted that there will be a tomorrow, even a next hour. There is no promise of a tomorrow. No, the Bible tells us that. This life is but a mist. It's time to get right with God. And by right with God, I mean just surrender. But love of the Lord, that was my vision. My vision, and uh, I'll stick to it, because it was something that was quite incredible. And it really patterned after the way of Scripture. It really followed, if you've studied the Bible, you know that there is, there is a continuance from this place to place that I saw in this vision. And it's happening now, beloved. Revival is happening now. Revival that, that room, that, that room that I saw with celebration going on, and healings, it's happening now, but it's, it's a, a snowball effect and it will come 
to a crescendo. And I'll end with this one last thing. I was sitting next to the man considered the, uh, the father of modern-day prophecy. His name is Bill Hammond. And I was sitting next to him at a dinner, and I had been having a, another vision uh, that was of Joshua going into the promised land. And the vision, as God explained it to me, was that today, today, the Joshua generation is living. I'll briefly describe what that means. Moses, when he and the Jews were exiled out of Egypt, wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses was faithful, and many of the Jewish people were faithful to God through that. But there were some that worshipped uh, golden calves and God said for lack of their faith, that generation would pass and they would not enter into the promised land. But the next generation, led by Joshua, entered into the promised land. The land of milk and honey, it was called, for its fertility at that time was very abundant. And there were giants inhabiting others uh, tribes inhabiting the promised land. But Joshua, you may be familiar with, surrounded the uh, castle where these uh, forces were held uh, who had taken possession of the promised land that was promised by God. And they went around that wall a number of times, shouting forth. The walls came down, and over a period of years, Joshua and the Jewish people claimed the land promised by God. And he said to me, God, that this was the, that the Joshua generation was living today. And as I turned to the so-called father of modern day prophecy, and I said, uh, Bishop, Bishop, uh, his title is Bishop. Uh, I said, I've had this vision of Joshua the Joshua generation living today. And I think it means that there are people living today, in this day and age, there are people living today who will not see death. Like Enoch, they will be ushered forth into heaven. I said, what do you think, Bishop? And he says, I believe we are living in, the Joshua generation is living today. That means, beloved, there should be a sense of urgency. Today, beloved, and this is extremely exciting, today, there may be people today who will not see death. Maybe that's you. And maybe it's not. I can tell you that, this, and that is that it will be a win-win situation either way. Because if you die today as a believer, you're going to be in heaven today at the moment you die. If you live as a young person today, and I believe that a revival is going to hit the millennial generation greater than any other generation on this earth. 
Perhaps the millennial generation is the Joshua generation. Perhaps it's a younger generation. But whenever the Joshua generation is that experiences this phenomena where they are taken up after the revival that is the celebration in that room, leaving behind that emptiness, that generation will not see death. Beloved the Lord, I pray a blessing over you today. I pray a blessing that the Lord be with you, that the Lord heal you, that the Lord give you comfort and peace because he stands in the gap for you. He stands on your side. And I pray in Jesus' name, the name of Yeshua, that you would be healed, that you would be blessed, that you would find joy where there is suffering, that you, beloved of the Lord, will come closer to God because he, whether you know it or not, is close to you. One last word. He told me this to say to you. He said, don't ignore me anymore. Don't ignore me. Beloved of the Lord, now is the time. And we have a lot to look forward to. Because the next advent, the first room, and we're in it now, is the space of revival. Beloved of the Lord, if you are indeed in Yeshua, Jesus, know him as your Messiah, Savior, and Lord, I have great news. Heaven is in your future. Take care, and God bless. Thanks for listening. Please like and subscribe. And if you'd like further information, go to our website at randyk.org, where our mission is simple, to share the great news of God's love.